Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. This is our uh, last official week together in uh, Marriage you know, 101. I've enjoyed our, our 13 weeks on, on this uh, particular subject. And um, those little papers that we turn out every week, uh, this week, instead of uh, turning in questions, if you could... Uh, I'm looking for feedback on the class. Did you like the class? Uh, was there anything you thought that we could do better? Um, basically, next week, as I mentioned earlier, I, I will be away, and uh, Wally's going to teach in here. I've got real good feedback on, on his teaching. And then on the 12th, um, even though this class is done, th- there have been a ton of questions uh, turned in about, uh, forgiveness and trust and rebuilding trust and and those sorts of things and so even though marriage 101 is over uh, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks on forgiveness and rebuilding trust and those, those kinds of things and I know we have some folks who've come from other classes you're welcome to stay for that uh, if you like if you want to go back to your regular class that that's fine too but um, if the Lord tarries before we get back to you know, where we were before this all started, which is studying Moses and, and the Exodus. And it's been, seems like, a, a lifetime ago. We had uh, left them, and they were almost to Mount Sinai. But before we get back to that, um, I, I do want to spend a couple of weeks on that, just because there are so many questions. And I hope uh, the questions you've turned in, you've either gotten a direct answer from them or an indirect answer in, in, in one of the in one of the class one of the uh, lessons. Um, I, I really I, I'm really glad that there's so many people interested in investing in your marriage and uh, y- you know who've recognized that uh, marriage is more than just a desire to be committed and love for one another. That there's some practical things that you you really need to do and, and apply uh, to you know make that uh, something that's easier to to actually accomplish, you know, almost no one is going to walk into this class and, and have everything that you hear be something brand new and exciting. If you walk away from every one of these classes and just, just get one or two things that help in some way, in some situation, for you to get along better and for you to have less turmoil in your home, that then, you know, we would have been uh, a success uh, in here, and uh, because of uh, it being our last week and uh, starting a new subject, I'm not going to go over those nine things we've gone over almost every uh, other week. Uh, I hope by now those things are deeply in your heart, uh, but I do want to answer just a couple of questions. Um, question number one, uh, have you ever suggested a d- divorce to a couple? Uh, no, I have never uh, suggested that. Um, I have on several occasions suggested that people uh, separate temporarily. Um, Maybe the environment was not safe. Uh, And and I'm not going to send some uh, husband or wife. By the way, there's some abusive women too. Uh, I'm not going to send someone back in an unsafe situation. I, I think separating temporarily to get outside help for the safety of people involved you, you know, to me, that makes a lot of sense. That That's not like separating to leave. Uh, that is considering the safety of everyone. Uh, and understand this, that though the Bible allows 
uh, divorce for two specific things, fornication and uh, abandonment. The Bible does not command divorce in either of those situations. It allows it. And in many cases, it's better for everyone involved, especially if there's children involved, for husbands and wives, if, if they're both willing to try to, to work uh, things out. And uh, by the way, I've been in a lot of situations where I thought to myself, I can't believe you're still staying there. Uh, but I, listen, I'm not the one who deals with being a single parent. I'm not the one who uh, deals with the loneliness. I'm not the one who has to deal with, you know, um, listen, when you're young, I mean, the chances are very likely that one or both of you is going to find somebody else. I'm not the one that has to deal with all those comp complex complexities in, in a relationship. And, and so, no, I don't suggest that. I, I don't answer to God. They answer to God. And, and so I'm just there to try to help uh, people and, um, you know, do the best I can. Question number two, how do I save money when my husband has a different view than me? Or a similar question, how do you talk to your spouse about wasteful spending? I mean, understand that very few couples have the same view on um, money, uh, how much to save, how much to spend, uh, what do you do with the money you save, what kinds of things you spend money on. I mean, you're two different people. And so to expect you to have all this deep agreement on these important issues, you know, especially early in a marriage, I mean, it's just not going to happen. So how do you deal with it? Uh, just like you deal with every other thing we've talked about. I've said this in here 20 times. You make the issue a matter of prayer. You pick two or three specific examples. You pick a good time. You pick a good tone. And you have a conversation about it. Uh, if you still can't come to an agreement, uh, you should have some wise person in your life that you've agreed to go to and talk to. Re remember... If you're interested in doing what's right and pleasing the Lord, you have no issue bringing in an outside opinion. Why would you care? If you want godly advice, there's people who give it to you. And then once you've done that, you know, um, follow God's order in the home. We've talked about that too. And by the way, I have a tough time believing that if there were not one or both people in the relationship who are proud, that you can't come to some compromise solution on how much to save and, and how, where, where to spend. Listen, proud people never bend. Listen, we should all bend to biblical truth. We should all bend to the Lord Jesus. But, but uh, there's a lot of areas of life that they're not specific, and, and proud people never bend. So I, I don't see why you, you couldn't really come to some uh, reasonable compromise on something like that. Question number three, is it right to judge and treat a family member differently based on their past? Um, the first thing is you need to recognize the widespread ignorance in 2021 about judging. I mean, I have had it up to here with people, uh, probably a lot of them are even legitimate Christians or true Christians, you know, who say things like don't judge. I mean, that is an ignorant statement. Uh, in fact, we're commanded to judge. 
Paul said, judge ye what I say. Uh, how in the world can you, when Romans says, abstain uh, from evil and do that which is good, how can you abstain from evil and do that which is good if you can't judge what's evil and what's good? You can't do it. How, how are you supposed to uh, basically uh, not be ungodly if you can't judge what's godly and ungodly? Uh, I mean, it's just silliness. And so there's a kind of judging we're supposed to do, and then there's a kind of judging we're not supposed to do. The kind of judging that's healthy is we look at something or we can see with our eyes or hear with our ears, but we compare it with the Word of God, and that lets us know what's right and wrong, good and bad. Then there's a kind of judging that is unhealthy and is not supposed to be done by a Christian and belongs only to God. That's where you look into somebody's heart and you, have, you think you know their motives or you uh, condemn them uh, versus condemning what they do. So if you mean by this, um, my um, father abused me as a child therefore uh, I'm just going to trust my daughters with him because I'm not going to judge him I, I think that's silliness I, I think if you have that kind of abuse in your family uh, I think you ought to be kind but I would never trust my daughters alone ever with that person you say what if they ask for forgiveness forgive them but I still wouldn't put my daughters with them you know, listen, all kinds of untrustworthy people want to be trusted. It is not just our job to forgive. It is also our job to protect our children and to protect our own person. And, and so if you mean by that, just pretend like nothing happened and, and put your children at risk, I would say don't do that. On the other hand, if you mean by that, you know, they've came and they said, hey, would you forgive me? I did this. It was a terrible thing. Uh, yes, I think you should forgive them. I think you should be kind to them. I, don't, uh, I think you should have some kind of a relationship with them uh, for Christ's sake. But on the other hand, I, I would never recommend leaving your children uh, with somebody uh, who has that in, the, in, in their past. Um, you know, you can disagree with that, um, but, you know, that's the way I feel about it. And, um, and so you should be in your Bible in Genesis chapter 2. Um, by the way, the title of our thought this morning, we're going to talk about minimizing conflict within our family. Uh, now, for some of you, this is a foreign subject. You, you really, you have no conflict in your family. You don't have any conflict with siblings. You have no conflict with grandparents. You have no conflict with parents on either side. And, and so for you, this is just some theoretical kind of a thing. But for a lot of people, uh, there is conflict um, with parents or grandparents or siblings. And in fact... When it comes to areas of our marriage that cause the most problems, one of the four areas that we have the most problems and the most conflict over is conflict with our own family. And so what I want to do is I want to first lay a, a foundation. I want to just apply, I want to lay three biblical principles down. And then what I want to do is just talk together 
about applying these biblical principles. Remember, for the most part, God wrote his word with biblical principles. You say, why did he do that? Uh, Because the Bible is supposed to apply to every culture in every age. And and so if God writes something down, he says, uh, if if God says, um, men wear pants, um, and women wear a skirt. Listen, uh, that, that doesn't uh, go on and on over the ages. Uh, so God didn't do that. He said, uh, be modest. He said, uh, set that principle. He said, uh, dress like your gender. He established those principles. And so like every area of life, uh, God put principles in place so that we can apply them and basically, you rightly represent them in our situation. The first of these principles is the lesson from our first week in here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. The rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife. They shall be one uh, flesh. Uh, And they were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. Remember this principle. It's the first marriage principle there is. Leave and cleave. Okay, a healthy marriage, uh, both people leave the direct authority and care of their parents and they cleave to their spouse. Uh, The most basic Bible principle there is when it comes uh, to marriage. It's not enough uh, to leave parental authority and care. Uh, It's not enough to just cleave to your spouse and uh, it's a basic Bible principle. Go up in your Bible to Exodus chapter 20. We'll put a second uh, Bible principle here. And we're going to do three of them. And then we're going to just take these principles and apply them to practical situations of life that cause all kinds of conflict. You know, people's families in, in, in this room and within the voice of, sound of my voice and people that listen to to these messages. I mean, people are in all kinds of situations. All kinds of situations. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Here's another Bible principle. Honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Uh, there's another basic principle that we are to honor our father and mother all the days of our life. Remember, it says in Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. While you are under their care, you owe them obedience. If you don't want to obey your parents, then what you do, you move out. And then you're no longer responsible to obey them. You're only responsible to honor them. Obeying them is a temporary situation while you're under their direct care. Honoring them is something that God intended for our whole life. It's kind of interesting, too. The Bible on ten occasions speaks about children's children. Ten times. And many more times uh, indirectly. In fact, the grandparent-grandchild relationship is such that uh, in many genealogies, God doesn't make a distinction between the grandparent and parent, and he will use the word such-and-so begot such-and-so. He actually skips the parent. 
Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. And by the way, that just means God established that relationship, but no grandparent has any authority whatsoever in the life of their grandchild that is not given to them by the parents. Grand, did you hear me? Grandparents have no authority in grandchildren's lives that is not given to them by the parents. So that's our second principle. Leave and cleave. Honor uh, your parents all your life and the grandparent-grandchild uh, relationship matter. Here's the third principle and we'll get going. First Timothy chapter 5. First Timothy chapter 5. My issue with people is not that we differ on how to apply Bible principles. My issue with people is most people ignore Bible principles. And uh, listen, I have no issue if we differ on what is male attire and female attire and what is modest and immodest. Nobody's going to completely agree. My, my issue is that people pay no attention to those things. I mean, man, I, I have literally watched parents post pictures of adult daughters wearing bikinis. I mean, think about that. Not just that they wear it, but secondly, that their mom posts their picture or dad in their underwear. I mean, think about that. Again, my issue is not that we don't define modesty the same. My issue is that we, don't, we, we pretend that principle doesn't exist. Here's a third principle when it comes to uh, our family. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Notice as he talks about relationships in the church, he talks about treating those who are older than us as a mother and father and treating those who are younger than us as a brother and a sister. Now, we don't often think about this, but it's a huge deal in the New Testament that God calls uh, our relationship, your relationship to me and our relationship here is at Bible Baptist Church as brothers and sisters. And, and the principle is this. God highly values the brother-sister brother-brother, sister-sister relationship. I don't think he's referring to how that relationship is when you're young in the home because sometimes that is a scratch-your-eyes-out kind of a relationship. Uh, everybody in here now is an adult and, and you have a different relationship with your brother and sister than you had when you were growing up together. And there's a specialness to that relationship. I, I mean, I, I moved out of my house uh, either just before or just after I, I turned 19. I've never uh, been back home. I moved away from home when I was 23. I have never lived close to my parents. I've never lived close uh, to my siblings. I have three sisters. Um, I, I have a special relationship with my sisters. Now, for me personally, I don't ever, and you may do this, I'm not good at it, don't do it. I don't ever call anybody up uh, to just talk other than my mom. Uh, I did it with my dad when he was alive. When Josh was away at college, I did it with him when, 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 when he was away at college. I would do that uh, with my wife. I never call anybody up and say, hey, what's going on? You know, j just to chat. Now, you may do that. You might be good with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I I'm, not, 
do that. I'm a, I'm a task-oriented person. And, and some of you can relate to that. Some of you think, well, that's just stupid. Um, but but I, I, even though I don't call my sisters just to ask them what's going on, you, you know, I have a special relationship with them. And so understand that God chose those people for our life. And what he's teaching us here in this is, you know what? That's a special relationship. There is nothing in the scripture about a relationship with cousins, aunts, uncles, great aunts, second cousins, uh, cousins once removed, whatever, second cousins, and, and some of you genealogical people know the difference in a second cousin and a cousin once removed. I don't know. I just know they're different. I, I, the Bible puts no weight on that. But the Bible does put weight on the parent-child relationship, the grandparent-grandchild relationship, uh, brother-sister relationship, but most especially on the husband-wife relationship and your home as a husband and wife being your home. Now, when we think about that, as we begin to think about applying this, you know what? It gets pretty complicated of how we're going to balance our time, our life, our feelings, our priorities. I mean, I mean think about it. When, when we try to do, apply this and we think to ourselves, you know what? Some of the people that are in those positions, they're not even saved. And some of them are not just not saved. They're actively uh, opposing Christian values. How do I apply all that? It gets complicated when we think that some of the people in those spots they're professing christians but yet they live in such a way that dishonors christ and is completely opposite of what we're trying to do as a husband and wife and what we're trying to do uh, with our children how do i do this it gets increasingly complicated when somebody either the husband or the wife they just can't see their family for what they really are. They, they don't see their bad influence on them. They, 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 they just don't see it. Uh, somebody turned in the question, uh, what do you do if you don't see eye to eye uh, with your spouse about their parent controlling them? By the way, that's a great question because someone controlling us, if it's in our family, it's a hard thing to see. Uh, what do you do? Well, you make the situation a matter of prayer. You come up with two or three specific examples. You pick a good time. You pick a good tone. You have an adult conversation about it, and you probably expect it not to be received well. Uh, because most people, they're not spiritually mature enough and wise enough to see their own family clearly. It's complicated. What about, think about how complicated this gets when there's a divorce and now you've got two sets of grandparents, you've got uh, stepchildren, you have got all this extra stuff. I know people who literally have eight events for Christmas. 
I mean, think about this. We're applying these biblical principles. This stuff, I mean, sin, one of the things it really does, as you, if you open your eyes as a young person, you'll see a lot more clearly when you get older. One of the things sin does is it really complicates and burdens people in their life. And you don't see that well when you're young. You'll see it clearly when you're older. And that's one of the many reasons to keep as much sin out of your life as possible. But this stuff is complicated. How do I prioritize my spouse? How do I prioritize my own home when this person is demanding I be there Christmas morning at 10? And because of this complexity, as a couple, this is one of the easiest places we have to have some serious disagreements and have a lot of trouble. And we spent a lot of time talking about how to disagree. Let's talk now about some specifics in this area of life. And, and I just want to make some suggestions to you to value these principles and minimize the conflict in our home. There's a lot of potential for conflict. Here's the first thing. Number one, divide your holiday time between both sets of in-laws whenever possible. I mean, holidays are a huge uh, source of conflict. Uh, You may not agree with this, but I rebel against this idea that once you get married, uh, the guy's family doesn't matter and only the girl's family matters. I, I rebel against that. That is a unbiblical, ungodly idea. And I don't rebel against it just because I'm a guy and have three sons. I I rebel against it because leaving and cleaving is something that both husband and wife are supposed to do. Now, sometimes distance makes equality impossible. Sometimes extremely bad behavior make it unwise. But it is generally true that we need to divide our holiday times equally between in-laws whenever possible. Um, It's hard. And some of you know what I'm talking about when I say, you know what, sometimes one or the other side of the family is much easier to be around than the other. And expect when you do this for all parents to disagree. I mean, understand, uh, parents, by and large, they don't want justice. They want advantage. And if you're not careful, what you will want is you will want advantage for your family and not care much about your spouse's family. By the way, it's okay to switch off year to year if your families are too demanding. You control your home. I, I, I know it, uh, all families are different, uh, there, there's a reason there's a lot of mother-in-law jokes. You know, remember, for something to be funny, it has to be either a grain of truth or completely untrue. There, there's a reason there's a lot of mother-in-law jokes, and it's not because it's completely untrue. And some of you know what I'm talking about when I say, you know what, you've got somebody in your family, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your grandma, uh, and, and they just are demanding of what you're going to do in, in your schedule. And I'm just saying, you control your home. You establish some of your own holiday and family traditions, especially once you have children. 
Now, you don't have to have every holiday all for yourself. We're not doing anything with anybody on Christmas Day. You know what? If you want to be like that, be like that. But why? Why? You know, I've known couples, they literally have nothing of their own because they're just all given and driven to what one or both of the sides of the family want on their holidays. Ask yourself this question. Do you actually have to celebrate everything on the holiday? Now, you might not like this, but growing up, uh, by and large, we almost never celebrated Christmas on Christmas. Uh, Between my family being in Michigan, her family being in uh, Toledo, and me being in ministry, and pretty much generally speaking, having some sort of a Christmas Eve service, and if if Sunday fell on Christmas Day, you don't cancel church, on the holiday that's allegedly supposed to celebrate Christ's birth, you you know, probably in 25 years, we only did Christmas on Christmas morning in our house, what, three or four times maybe? Not, Not much. Now, we always had our own Christmas. Listen, our kids never cared that we did it early. That's true. Now, now it, it does, when you do it early, it makes Christmas Day feel a little bit different. I, I, I'm not telling you when to do it. I, I'm just saying, listen, you control your own home. Make sure you have some of your own family holiday traditions. And cut out extended family time before you cut out the relationships the Bible puts value on. Uh, here's number two. Divide the time your children spend with their grandparents equally whenever possible. (laughs) Uh, I know sometimes distance makes this impossible. I know sometimes extremely bad behavior makes it unwise, but it is a good Bible principle. Now, now I get it. You might have to make some exception because some of your uh, parents, they're drug addicts, uh, they're abusers, uh, they're drunkards. I, I, I get it. I mean, I'm not trying to, to, to have you pretend like those things don't matter and, and just expect that when you divide the, child, the time with your children and their grandparents equally, I mean, just expect that somebody's not going to like it because grandparents don't want justice. They want advantage. Uh, if you have an abuser that's in your family, uh, physically abusive, verbally abusive, sexually abusive, make sure you're there. Don't, don't, don't just assume everything's going to be okay. Listen, you don't have to tell your parents why you do what you do. In fact, a lot of times it's unwise. But you do what's in the best interest of your home and, and your children. Um... I, it actually makes, uh, when we would go home, uh, home where we grew up, uh, she's from Toledo, I'm from uh, southeast Michigan, there's probably maybe only 20 minutes, 25 at the most, 
between our houses. We would literally have a schedule. We would be at her house one night. We'd be at my house the other night. We'd be at her house. Before we leave, we, this, we would have a schedule. We'll be at your house this day till 2. Uh, this day at 2, we'll leave your house. We'll go over to, to, to my house. And, and listen, none of the grandparents uh, agreed with that schedule. But when we were done, we could put our head in the pillow and know that we gave equal time to both sides of grandparents. It makes us proud today that our boys as adults, when they go up there to visit, they don't just go to one grandparent or the other. They go to both. I, I, I like that. Uh, my, my wife's family, they're good people. Uh, they are non-practicing Catholics. They don't live their life like we live our life at all, other than the fact that they value work and they, they value uh, family and those kinds of things. I'm glad our children have a relationship with them. Here's number three. You control how much time you spend together with your parents and siblings if they're too demanding. Uh, I know some of you, you have no problems. Listen, there are, there are some good, godly parents, and they want your relationship to be independent. They want you to be strong. They, they, they want the other grandparents involved in their life. There are some good, godly people out there, and I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm talking about when you have a situation where one or the other sides of the side of the family is trying to demand that you do this or that, you control your time and you value your own home. Listen, there are some parents, I mean, you could literally live next door and they would not control your life, they would not want to be in your business, they, they would want you to be independent couples, and there's other people, you could be 500 miles away from them and by phone, they will do everything they can to control you, your marriage, your children, and all those kinds of things. And you know what situation you're in. And all I'm just saying is you control how much time together you spend. Um, you know them. Uh, suppose we, we have a pool. Now, right now, not, not too many uh, people are in it because the grandkids are, are too short uh, for it. But, but listen, if there's a pool, somebody has it in, in your house, and that grandparent, if you use their pool, you know that what that means is they're going to feel like that gives them license to control your life. Don't use the pool much. On the other hand, if you feel like, you know what, I can go over there and they're not going to be demanding, use it. Listen, if you've got good, godly uh, parents who, who want you to be in, listen, everybody is imperfect. Uh, I would tell you that I do not interfere at all in our children's relationships, and they might tell you different. Because I know that no matter how much I try to keep my mouth shut all the time, I don't. You say, why? Because I'm a flawed human being. And regardless of the fact that I have these principles at the foundation of how I try to interact with them, I don't follow them perfectly any more than they follow what they're supposed to do perfectly. These are good principles for relationships. Number four, you handle your own family problems if there are problems. Don't make your spouse the bad guy. Uh, if somebody on either side of the family 
has a problem with their family, you handle your own family. Now, I, I know that that's really hard. It's hard to go to your family and say, you know, listen, you know, we're just not coming by. You're just causing all kinds of turmoil. But that will be way better coming from the child than the in-law. <laughs> you handle your own family. Um, it would be crude, but I'm going to say you, you, you need to uh, man up if you're the boy and, and woman up if, if you're the girl in that situation. And um, all the other terms for that that went through my mind are not good public conversation ways to describe things. But, but you handle your own family. Be patient. You're learning how to be uh, independent adults, to handle your children, to handle, work through all this stuff. You know what? They're learning how to do this too. Listen, I, I can tell you uh, I need patience from our children and our daughters-in-law. I, I really do try hard. But I need patience because I still don't do everything like I should. I'm, re I'm really am trying, but I'm still imperfect. I need their patience. And the same is true for you, uh, too. Um, number five, and uh, be careful about the money you take from your parents. <laughs> um, again, I don't care if you take money from your parents. Uh, I'm just saying... Some parents, when they give you money or buy your meals or take you on vacation, they think they're buying authority. And if, you, if they think they're buying authority by, by that stuff, uh, instead of just buying relationship, you know, buying time, you know, don't take the money. Listen, uh, there's a lot of young adult couples who basically... Uh, they've never learned to live within their means, and they're not an independent couple because of all the money and things they take. Again, you, you'd have to ask our sons or daughters-in-law um, about this. We, and personally, uh, we like will pay for a condo in Florida, and we just say, hey, listen, if you guys want to come, come. If you don't, don't. I would say I, I'm not trying to buy anything with that other than time with my children and daughters-in-laws and grandchildren. Now, they might be telling you different, but I, I don't want to run their house. I have enough trouble running my house. L listen, I have enough trouble managing myself. I, again, I'm not saying don't take money or things from your parents. I'm just saying don't take it if the price tag is private information or control. And lastly, number six, your spouse can see things about your family that are hard for you to see. Uh, it's really hard for you to see somebody, your mom or dad, controlling you. Very hard. And so what I w would say is if your spouse tells you hey, you, you know what, your family has too much influence or they're controlling you too much, you ought to put some weight on that, especially if they're not the kind of person who's always giving you feedback. You know, there's some people, they have feedback and everything and it just turns into a big pile of mush. But if they're not the kind of person who's always giving you feedback, 
you know, put weight on that because it's hard to see yourself. Uh, I'm going to stop, and uh, uh, you got a, a couple of minutes, or one minute anyway. You should have a little square. Uh, this is the end of our marriage class officially. Uh, I know some of you may go back to your classes. We've been great to have you in here. You may uh, stay for the next few weeks to do the forgiveness and trust thing, which is fine too. Uh, some of you all are, are regularly in this class. Uh, either way, I would love some input on, on the class. And uh, if there's some questions I didn't answer that you wish were answered, you know, uh, we're going to spend a couple of weeks um, sort of following up on the class uh, when I get back from uh, fishing. It's been great to have you in here. I have prayed uh, for you, and uh, I really, I, I want your home to be blessed. That, that's my heart's desire, because our, our God wants that. Uh, you're dismissed.